Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Coops. Hiya, Coops. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Uh, did you enjoy the race weekend this weekend? From what I got to see, I was working over the weekend, but yeah, it seemed to be decent for the most good, part. Good, good. Yeah, there's lots of uh, entertainment to uh, to talk about. Uh, we've also got Tom on the podcast today. Hiya, Tom. How are you? Hello, sir. Very well. Very warm, but very well. Very warm in the UK. Yes, it is. Uh, and did you have a good weekend watching the Formula One? I did indeed. I actually uh, the qualifying I watched um, at, at mine um, because obviously because obviously it was a Friday. But I watched both the sprint race and the main race. So I went over to my parents and watched it with them. So I had a, had a nice weekend watching the F1 with with my mum and dad. Oh, very nice, very nice indeed. And another member of the panel, we've got Sophia. Hiya, Sophia. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I'm, I'm very good. Very, very good. Uh, and looking forward to chatting uh, about the race and any news that's dropped over the last week too. But first, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. We are also on TikTok and our website, www.everythingf1.com. We would also love it if you were to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast streaming service. We are uh, we are pretty much everywhere, and you can hit the bell, hit the subscribe button, and get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Okay, so this week's Grand Prix was in Austria, and we were well, we were treated to a, a fairly decent race. Really, it was, it was. I was holding my breath for the last twelve laps uh, because Charles Leclerc was uh, obviously complaining that his accelerator pedal, throttle pedal, was uh, was a bit dodgy at the time. Coops, uh, Charles Leclerc won. It was what we needed for to kind of close the gap between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc um, to make this uh, this championship, you know, a lot closer and a lot more interesting. So we, we got what we wanted. Is that is that how you would describe the situation over the weekend? Yeah. Yes. To the non-biased, neutral Formula One fan, yes, could have been better. You could have had Leclerc and Sainz at front and Verstappen retire and really get it and involved. But you know, we can't. You know. <laughs> Carlsberg don't make great Formula One uh, races anymore. But yeah, it was it was it was good for the Ferraris. Well, for half of the garage, they've got a few things to to look at. Yeah, but I think the biggest thing was the fact that the Ferraris were able to beat the Verstappen, the Red Bulls on pure pace, which we haven't really seen. Verstappen didn't. They were a step behind the Ferraris this weekend. Whether it's a track, a track specific thing or whether Ferrari mm. have found something but 
reliability is still a big issue for the Ferrari, the Ferrari squad at the moment. So. Well, evidently so, yeah. Evidently so. It was fast, a really fast car. And they overtook Mr. Max Verstappen with ease um, at every opportunity that they needed to. They could have had a pick of all the, uh, you know, the strategies that they wanted and whatever would have, whatever they chosen. It seems it would have stuck, um, just because that car was was quite quick. Uh, Tom, what did you think of the race? Obviously, as a Max Verstappen fan, was it heart wrenching seeing the Ferraris pass Max Verstappen so easily? The sprint race, quality race, event race, whatever you want to call it, race. Uh, I don't know what I'm calling it these days, to be honest. Race. Should, it, oh, it is a race now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> They've given up on qualifying, even even though they called it pole position and awarded officially, points. They, officially, it's called the sprint. The sprint. Yeah. Race the sprint, is only but you're not for supposed the to call it a race. Yeah. I'll give up. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, the, the, the sprint should have been... Uh, should have been a, a, a bit of an ominous warning sign for Red Bull because I know Max just pulled out a you know, well, two and a bit, three second lead for a while. But if you're looking at closing laps, after Leclerc and Sainz stopped trying to imita- imitate Hamilton and Rosberg from 2016 on this circuit, Leclerc was taking bare chunks out of, uh, out of Verstappen's time because he was down to 1.6 in the last five or six laps. I mean, he was taking mad time out of his lap times. So the sprints certainly to me just feels like the first phase of a race. That should have been a warning sign. And we saw it at Imola when there was a sprint, when Leclerc was on pole. And then on the Sunday, Max did him off, off the start and then overtook him, held the lead and finished around. He was he was home and dry. That's what Leclerc did this time. So Red Bull, you know, they they should have learned from how they won the sprints in Imola. And the data that they picked up from in uh, in in the sprints on Saturday, they should have realised that Oek Shard is going to be hunting coming up just like <laughs> you know they should have known that's going to happen. It didn't help that obviously Perez you know, um, ended up at the back of the grid after his lap one collision and then obviously ultimately DNF'd. So Red Bull were fighting with with one on one proverbial arm tied behind their back and signs went for plan E, which was plan explode by the looks of it. But yeah, it was uh... damage limitations. It's pretty it was exactly, pretty good. mate. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sophia, uh, were you happy to see Charles Leclerc on that top step? Uh, and then I'm happy to see Paul Carla signed uh, go up in a ball of smoke. Oh my uh, god, on the Austrian track. That was crazy. Like you just see the clip, and then you just see the car sl- slowly rolling back, and then. You had the fire marshal up in the on the hill, run, drop the fire extinguisher, and then like leave. What <laughs> like the I'm amount of memes? <laughs> the amount of memes from that. It was like, yeah, this is my job, but I actually don't want to do my job. But like, and then they tried to stop the car by shoving gloves underneath the wheel to try to get it to stop it to roll back. Like, what? To be fair, I don't know because of how the elevation is but like would it have been better to be in the gravel that uh, i feel to, like to, might be, have been... to be honest i think saints just was hoping the masters were going to do the job properly that's true uh, uh, or turn it the only thing saints could have done was turn it to the back end hit the wall uh, mm-hmm. and it would have stopped it but you know he was trying to stop the car going back onto the track and trying to avoid getting, avoid getting bumped yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah yeah it was just crazy i mean yeah i mean happy for charles disappoints me needed obviously after the finger wag of silverstone um, by bernardo as well it, it's it's needed for him for his championship 
I'm sad for the team because again, it's it, that's an extra caution. Not expecting, obviously, budget caps have increased, but even still, like that car is completely gone. So that means Carlos is going to get at least one, if not two, penalties down the line with all the new upgrades as well that he's going to be needing to have. So I'm expecting one to two from him um, for uh, the second half of the season, if not now. But it's good to see consecutive races for Ferrari, albeit different drivers in the team. It's a good result, albeit it's it's kind of a 50-50 yin and yang kind of great result for St. Charles, not so good for, for Carlos. I think Ferrari fans will be happy. Uh, yeah, so that's good. But it's also Ferrari's first back-to-back win since uh, 2019 with Charles wow. and Singapore for Seb Vettel. And, and long may it continue. I'm not a Ferrari fanboy. I'm you know, an F1 fan, uh, first and foremost. But what I want to see is I want to see them back and forth between the, uh, the Red Bull and the Ferrari. So I'm happy to see uh, Ferrari have a little run now to try and claw back those points. So we've got a competition towards the end of the season uh, between... Max Verstappen and Charles or Max Verstappen and Carlos, either or, I don't mind. Just be good to see. And it's good to see Ferrari uh, being actually the quickest on track because uh, they were very dominant this weekend. Let's talk about Perez because obviously Perez had an incident with the Mercedes of George Russell uh, right at the start. He tried putting it around the outside of George Russell. Uh, and unfortunately, the, that corner is prolific for uh, having people shunted off. It happened a couple of years back when Albon tried to go around the outside of Lewis Hamilton and Hamilton kind of gave him a little love tap off the track too. So it's it's nice to see that George Russell's copying uh, his mentor, Lewis Hamilton, uh, in knocking off this second Red Bull car in a race. Uh, what was your take on that, Coops? I mean, it, it was a slam dunk. I mean, yeah. It's, it's just unfortunate. I mean, the giant Lewis Hamilton didn't mean to hit Albon when he did it. I'm sure George Russell didn't mean to hit Sainz, but it's the way that uh, Perez, sorry, it's the way that that camera, that corner works. Your car will, the cars will, will head to the exit. They'll head to the, the outside of that corner. Uh, you know, Perez put it out there, Russell hit it. For once, the FI were consistent. <laughs> uh, there was two penalties that weekend for the same thing. So, you know, and I think there was three penalties for drivers that, that year, because I think Norris and Perry both ended up getting penalties as well as, uh, you know, uh, out at that corner for uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, I think, last year or the year before. Uh, so you'd think the drivers would remember uh, that corner's not an easy one. You shouldn't be sticking it around the outside. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. Unfortunately, ruined Perez's race, kind of put the Red Bulls in a bit of a back foot when fighting against the two Ferraris, but it wasn't too much of an issue because I don't think they had much to really fight with Ferrari, even with the two cars. Their pace wasn't there. So unless Perez didn't have the same issues as Verstappen had, because Verstappen had some strange degradation with the tyres during his middle stint, which I don't think Red Bull really understood or still haven't quite worked out. So, you know, if Perez didn't have that, could they have split the Ferraris, maybe slowed them down to help, you know, Verstappen, maybe got Perez in front and, you know, backed them up so that Verstappen could have tried to pass them. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It would be good to see if it did happen or didn't. But, yeah, it was, it, it was a recent incident, 
but still deserving of a penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it was deserving of a penalty for George. Obviously, slam dunk as you said. But Perez obviously the, the, had the ultimate punishment. Uh, he had so much damage that they had to uh, uh, retire the car. So not a great result for Sergio Perez. Damage limitations for Max Verstappen in second place. Um, but let's talk about the Mercedes because Mercedes were third and fourth. Uh, respectively, for Lewis Hamilton, obviously, on the podium again. Another, is that third consecutive podium now? Third place for the last three races. So there's a consistency there. Uh, George Russell, obviously, even though he had that penalty right at the start for uh, shunting Sergio Perez off the track, made it back to fourth, uh, showing that the car is pretty good now, isn't it, Tom? It's it's fast, or it's certainly faster and there's less porpoising. Is it track-specific, or do you think we are almost there or thereabouts with that Mercedes? They do definitely seem to have got on top of, or to a point, got on top of whatever porpoising issues they had. There is still porpoising there on that Mercedes, because I noticed on one of the onboards, when Hamilton, I think it was when Hamilton, certainly when, obviously one of the note drivers, came out the final turn and hit the main straight. You can hear the air hitting underneath of the car, and you can see the helmet starting to bounce. But it's not half as bad as it was. And that car does appear to have much better pace than it certainly did at the start of the season. Yeah. If you look back to Saudi when Hamilton couldn't get out of Q1, and now that now they are both in Q3 pretty regularly in Q3. You know, Hamilton's had three podiums on the bounce now. Again, perhaps a slight element of luck in there. But also, like I, you know, like I've said on numerous podcasts, you play the hand you're dealt. And for a not Particularly good qualifying because obviously, you know, they both had big repair work and Hamilton, I believe, had a new survival cell. Um, mm. To come home, P3, P4, they, they were still ahead on merits of the Alpines, of the McLarens, not the last difficult, of the of the Alpha Tauris, you know, you know of everybody else in, in the midfield. And if you look at the constructors, they are comfortably in third. You know, they're not really going to catch for Ferrari, but they've got a decent buffer down to McLe- uh, yeah, McLaren and Alpine, who I believe are tied on points and 81. It does look like Mercedes are getting getting on top of the car. If Hamilton and Russell can start to get in on it, that's, that's only going to be a good thing for F1. Yes, I think they had a great weekend, really, given the circumstances. Obviously, they didn't win the race, but they, they certainly are looking a lot, a lot more... Uh, consistent, uh, I say they've had, they've had a good couple of races, a few races for Lewis Hamilton now being the third on the third step. He's getting there, isn't he? And I think that record of having a win every season it is looking like a potential possibility for him to have a win by the end of the year at the very least. Sophia, let's talk about Hamilton and Mick Schumacher this weekend. They seemed like big rivals actually um, on track because they had a battle during this sprint race and Lewis Hamilton Hamilton just could not overtake and they also had another battle within the race itself. Oh, that was probably the highlight of sprint race for me and then a bit of the actual feature race for sure. Um, It was just crazy and I don't know what's happened, but I mean, obviously we were expecting points in Canada for Mick and then obviously Miami as well, but like the minute Mick now got the points, it, his mannerisms kind of changed around, like even in interviews as well, post-race or even pre-race as well. His just mannerism and how he carries himself, how he speaks about it, it's so much better. And it's what we've said this and every time we've been on the podcast talking about Mick is like he needed these points. He's proving that he still should stay into F1 next season and few seasons onwards. But That was great battling. I mean, obviously, DRS was a key kind of component for some of that in the sprint. Um, 
with as soon as Kevin Magnuson going out of the window is when Hamilton could kind of overtake Mick. And then there's some yeah. really good battles on some of these turns, but I like that was crazy. And then even post race interview with Mick being unhappy in the sprint race by Kevin Magnuson, it was like flashbacks to <laughs> Schumacher's anger a bit, which was great to kind of see him um, taking some of his dad's mannerisms and everything from that. But overall, it was good. I mean, Going back with Mercedes, I feel like they are benefiting to the misfortunes of Ferrari and Red Bull, though. This has been a consistent thing. Um, mm. In the last five podiums that Charles Leclerc has won, a Mercedes has come in third, and four of them were in the new season. So we'll see how like that is, but like they are literally benefiting with a misfortune by strategy by Ferrari, which does happen a lot or a engine <laughs> situation problem that happens by Red Bull, which does happen a lot. Like, it, it is helping Mercedes this season, but, like, I don't – I think they would have been a lot lower had it not been for Carlos and Perez's um, DNFs, I think. Yeah, absolutely. They, I, th- I think they absolutely would have. Um, that's a given. But, you know, luck is part of the championship too. And the luck was on their side instead of the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. Obviously, having two drivers that finished in the third and fourth. That, that, but the house is looking strong. Magnussen was also there in, in that fight. Coops, were you surprised to see Haas being the kind of fourth most competitive team on the grid? No, not really. I mean, they showed they were decent at the start of the season. They've had a bit of a dip. Vic mm. didn't shine himself in glory for a couple of seasons. Reliability with the Ferrari cover unit and other issues like most teams to get a result that doesn't involve shenanigans and a lot of people dropping out you know everything needs to click and it seemed to click for them and you know Mick realised eventually I think we've all kind of been hoping that he would realise he's a Formula 1 driver and deserves to be there and I think that battle with Verstappen during Silverstone made them realise do you know what I mean Mm. yes it was a wounded Verstappen but you know last you know Got in there and he saw his mum and his sister having a you know having a good time when he got his first points and you know touching on what Sophia said I was going to bring up as well like the post race discussion about the fact that Magnussen didn't let him pass or didn't stay within the one second to allow him to keep his places and get his point in the sprint you saw that in his face it was very Michael Schumacher very no I was faster you know. Anyone that may be watching this or listening to this, if they remember Michael Schumacher and his heyday, you know, he was a man that you don't mess with. You know, mm. and when he was angry, yeah, he certainly didn't. And there was a wee glint of that. And I don't want, I really don't want to compare Mick Schumacher to his dad, because Mick is Mick. He's not his dad, you know. You know, we want to make that clear, but yeah, he's going to take anything from his dad. It's that part. Don't take any bull. You know, he was faster and he makes it clear. Even I'm, I'm guessing by the time he got to speak to the press, he made his team clear and Magnuson, you know, very clear of his, his thought and his opinion. You know, I was faster. Said it over the radio, get Mick to slow down. I need to stay within the, the one second. Why Mick, uh, Magnuson didn't, you know, I don't know. What, what yeah, it doesn't make about. sense. It doesn't nah. make sense. Magnuson wasn't going any further forward. So, you know, keeping them within that one second, but Magnuson didn't do it, so that, that would have been tasty. But, yeah, the Haas is a, it's a decent car. Uh, they're definitely benefiting from the fact that Alpha Tauri's probably took a wee step back from last year. McLaren certainly have. 
Alpine a wee bit further forward, Aston Martin again still down the back. That kind of group of teams are all pretty close, so anyone gets it clicking, which has seemed to have done more than others, you're going to see them up in amongst where they were in Austria. So yeah, it's a very good confidence-boosting drive for Mick and for the team in general. Yeah, it's good to see, and uh, hopefully, like like we've like we've kind of alluded to there, I guess the the monkey's off his back now, and he can uh, start consistently at least scoring those points for for uh, for the Haas team, um, competing with his teammate, um, and maybe even taking points off the big dogs when you know a bit of reliability uh, or unreliability happens. Like Sophia said, hopefully it, it's the start of his F1 point scoring career. Um, and showing that he he will deserve his seat for next year, which was kind of up in the air um, until he actually did start scoring well, points. It, so. I mean, to be fair, it still is. I mean, this is only two races. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has to show it. He's had a season which didn't fill it full of glory. Started this season, wrote off a couple of cars with some stupid mistakes. You know, he really does. He still needs to show, but it's a good start. He's got his points. He got up to six. He'd done it in merit. Uh, they got the car where they needed to be for other people falling away, done some good mm-hmm. driving. So, you know, I mean, I think if he's up and near, near enough the points, around about the points by the time we get to the summer break, then, you know, maybe we can start start talking about whether he should be there next year. If things fall away again, no, I would I would say that maybe his career's done before it's had a chance to start. But, you know, he's certainly got the foundations going to... But it's you know it's it's up to Mick now. He was voted driver of the day as well, which he looked surprised at, surprised at in the pen uh, when he was told that he was he was like oh I thought that would be actually Silverstone. Um, so there you go. It's it's good that it's good that he's getting the recognition from the fans. Hopefully that's the confidence boost that he needs uh, to push on in the rest of the championship. Let's move on to the next then. Uh, who who was behind? Was it Alpine? Uh, behind the Haas, let's go to Tom. To kind of summarise Alpine's race weekend, Ocon and Alonso uh, were there or thereabouts. Were always kind of menacing and looking like they could pounce, but not necessarily any further forward than where they were. It was a good good chunk of points for them, um, especially given um, uh, Alonso didn't get into Q3 in, initially. You know, to go from a pit lane start to in the points, that's a pretty good result for him. Um, and Ocon to you know to, to be P five. He was Ocon was having some really good ding dongs with um, with both the Haas drivers. He was scrapping with with the, both the Mercs at one point. You know, there was a point where there was I, I think it was both Haas, Ocon, Orlando, and possibly George. They were going about five wide, and I think it was two and three, or maybe you know maybe two and four. It was just it was just good to see them all fighting on track for position. And Ocon, you know, he'd been a little bit under the radar, and you know, there, there were some question marks around him, especially last year after he got that extension. Um, and then he had a really, really poor run of form after he signed his contract extension. It was almost like he'd been cursed or something by it. Then he went in hungry, obviously. But you know, both Ocon and, and Alonso have more than earned their strikes this weekend. You know, they, they've both done well. Delpine seems quite inconsistent this year. You know, you know, much much as a McLaren, so he's kind of apt that the two are next to each other in the championship. So, uh, so yeah, it's a good result for them. Yeah, a good result points wise. Alonso had a bit of difficulty, you know, even getting to the race in the first place. Starting from the uh, pit lane, getting a point uh, after that is uh, a fairly decent result for him. And, and Ocon, they had some amazing racing throughout the race itself. Such amazing battles. He was always kind of there or thereabouts. There was at that point when there was five 
going into the couple of corners and, and following each other and they're, they're kind of overtaking each other at various points. It was, I think Norris was in there. Um, Ocon was in there. Uh, Joe was in there as well. Joe was in there. Albon was the other one. Was it Al- oh, Albon? Was it Albon? No, Albon was in I mean, the it, best it part. It was of, really good driving. Yeah, the best part of the weekend, though, for Alpine was Alonso finger wagging at Shinoda as they're heading to yeah. the braking zone. Like, yeah. all, it's only Alonso that could do that. You know, you're heading to the braking zone of a corner and he's giving the finger wag to Shinoda because he gets shoved on the grass. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, only Alonso would do that, you know, and, you know. <laughs> I still don't know whether the driver next to you can even see the finger wagon or whether it's... No, you couldn't. Absolutely not. There's no... But, you know, oh, I it's, doubt it. Uh, it's good to see. Uh, there, there was also, just talking about finger wagon, there was a, a clip that I stumbled across on, I don't know if it was TikTok or something, and it was the end car of one of the McLarens. He had a bit of a squirrel. I know what you're talking about. And yeah, he, yeah. Stuck, he stuck the bug. And it's like when you've got an undrivable car, he stuck the... He stuck a, Flip the bird to the car because it done the squirrely, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm guessing it's probably Ricardo. It was Lando. It was Lando. 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 He had the helmet. He had the helmet cam on for Ah. it. So Lando obviously was not impressed with the car when it did a wee squirrely coming off a corner, uh, and let yeah, let the car know. uh, That was quite funny. I could have been told by the engineers that he was on camera as well to Uh, not do anything kind of stupid, and he does something stupid as well. No, it's Lando. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Alpine do have a solid package. I mean, a wee bit inconsistent. They've had their their reliability, but then to be fair, most teams have this year. Uh, But yeah, they're 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 going, they're in the right direction. Uh, To be honest, they're probably nailed on for fourth because McLaren just, if it's not reliability, it's the Ricardo issue. Uh, I mean, you've got Alonso and Ocon consistently in or in amongst the points or just about in the points or maybe 10th and 9th or, you know, whatever. Whereas you've got Lando in 6th and Ricardo 15, you're not going to get for You're not going to get anywhere in the constructor. So it's all good for them. Okay, what I want to do is I want to go around each and every one of you now and I want you to pick another driver or team or somebody that you want to talk about, whether they had a good race weekend or a bad race weekend. Uh, so we'll start with Sophia. Uh, can you pick somebody that you want to chat about that we haven't already chatted about? Alpha did quite well with Bottas starting from the pit lane. And I think he finished... Did he finish in the points? No. No, just about, though. He was P11 at the end. Still, that's still great as well, given that he started from pit lane. And then um, Joe finished 14th. So it was good for them. Um, But Bottas is just absolutely killing it this season. Um, with this new car. Like we've said this many, many times on this podcast that it was definitely the right decision for him to leave and move from Mercedes to take the number one spot. And Joe as well is learning so much from him, both on track and off track. Uh, there was a clip mm. of him drinking espresso now as well, <laughs> saying that he's starting to learn and been rubbed off by um, Bartas's mannerisms and everything for it. But Absolutely, like he's doing so well and getting the points that was needed for Alpha, which we, I mean, me personally, I wasn't expecting them to do this well. I was expecting it to be like last season, kind of Alpha, Haas and um, Williams being pretty much barely getting any points, if at any points. So mm. they're doing quite well. Yeah, so no points, but obviously scoring, uh, finishing higher up than their competitors is still going to put them higher up in the championship at the end. Uh, Coops, who would you like to talk about uh, that we haven't spoken about already? Probably the FIA and their very strict 
track limit situation. Now, yeah. the, track, the, the, the thing that got me uh, was all last year, Formula One is a fan base. We need track limits. This is not good enough. Why is it certain corners? Why is it certain that? So this year they came out and said, the white line is the track. Go over that white line, you're in trouble. For some reason, they decided that this race, that they were going to be very strict with it. And then social media goes, oh, the FIA are going too mad, too mad, and then they're being too thingy, and they're giving it like, so, so, so what do you want? You complain when it doesn't happen and it's not consistent, and when they consistently stick to it and give everybody, everybody got the same warnings, everybody was told, you've got your three strikes, the black and white flag, then you got a five-second warning. They never seen it was too much. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm happy with them enforcing the yeah. track limits as... as, as- you know, strongly as, as they did. Um, yeah, those, those penalties can come thick and fast. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it, the the track is there, as you say. The track is the track. Um, if they if people don't stick to it and uh, and go off and gain an advantage by going off, then they're going to get penalised for it. The it more is. the more the more that happens, the more they'll realise and the more they'll consistently stay on the track. It, it, all it is is they're going to adjust their 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 circuit a little bit more. And I mean, uh, the, the twenty best drivers in the world. Arguably. So if they can't adjust to slightly turn in, not a wee bit different or whatever, then should they be in for the one? I mean, you know, so track limits are there for a reason. If you keep being an ass about it and going over that line, and it doesn't matter if you go over the line by a millimetre or by a foot, you're still over the line. So you're going to get into trouble for it. So, yeah, you know. Uh, and and that's understandably as well, because... You know, you are gaining the advantage, especially at that corner uh, specifically, um, which is why they were being so strict with it. Um, because, you know, you can you, if it means they're going to go over the line, but they can push a bit harder on the way in and maybe break a little bit later. That's you know, uh, it's going to give them a clear, quite a clear advantage. Yep. Um, and that's what put we need the, to kind of get see rid if of. See, you put the gravel trap back. The wooden they can do it. But, you know, apparently we're not allowed to do that. But, you know, it is what it is. But it was good to see that for once there was an element of consistency from the from the FIA and we weren't scratching our heads. Uh, who, let's let's talk about who did get penalised then. Do you want to list the, pen, the penalties for that? Yeah. Norris, Gasly, Vettel. And then on top of that, you had all three podiums that had penalties. There was, uh, I think I have it. There was five drivers overall that had track limits, and there was five driver points that had, like, because Gasly got two as well, so he got three driver points um, for that, and then Vettel got one, Norris got another. So I think those were the three that got the driver penalties. From what I remember, it was like eight penalty points over five drivers. The podium, the top three got their wrist slapped for Park Fermi. So, you know, the, the stewards were busy. Let's just put it that way. I think it was probably yeah. one of those situations where there was a lot, it was easier to list the people that didn't get it than did. But, and also, the, some people pushed, they pushed their luck on a few, a few occasions. They got black and white flags, um, but they didn't then do it again one more time to, to get the penalty point, which was yeah. pro- probably the best way of doing it, really. I think everyone got the flag. I think the only person I don't remember seeing is um charles you got up to two i think I, you got your yeah. second track limit one and on your third it was the track and limit max the as well i think um but i have the list gazi has two causing a collision five second time penalty two penalty points track limits five second penalty one penalty point 
Lando, track limits, five second, one penalty. George Russell, five second, two penalty points. Zhou Guan Yu, track limits, five second, one penalty point. Seb, track limits, five second penalty, penalty point. Charles Leclerc with the Parc Ferme, Max with the Parc Ferme, and Lewis with the Parc Ferme. So, so what was it with the Parc Ferme that they did? Because I missed that. They brought their was it physios into Park Ferme, uh, which which is not allowed at that point. Oh. I didn't even know that was a rule up until this weekend. Because that's because um, of the cool down room is where they weigh themselves nowadays instead of down on the track. So obviously mm. you're not meant to touch the driver. So apparently what hap- was what was happening was the physios were waiting in the cool room or outside the cool room to talk and whatever with the drivers before they got weighed, which is obviously not allowed. Um, and yeah, because where... they don't know if any anything has been handed off or handed in or whatever to to make them heavier or or lighter, but whichever is the, uh, the 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 one that gives them the advantage. I don't get it because the drivers literally will get off the car and run to the team and hug them and I don't know, get yeah. a fine. That that's what yeah, I'm kind of confused. They're, they're over the barrier, I suppose, but they're within the boundary that's parked Fermi, and parked Fermi is very strictly controlled, so. But you know, they can still chuck stuff over, like it worst <laughs> comes to worst. Like in a hug, somebody can go into the pocket of the driver and like take out a weight or something like that. Like or add a weight. These, do you think these overalls have, have pockets? Mm. I think so. Is there a need for well, well, you imagine it's well, you can imagine just going around, just go to a drive through, just pulling a wall out of that pocket. Yeah. yeah. Do they need pockets? on the thing? He's so, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, Lewis Hamilton certainly wouldn't have his wallet in that car. He lose about a second a lap with the weight of that fucking. And the rest. You're <laughs> <laughs> going backwards. <laughs> Let's move on anyway. Uh, Tom, who do you want to speak about before we uh, we, we wrap up our review of the Austrian Grand Prix and move on to some news? Go on, I'll take Aston Martin just so I can have a go at Stroll. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like Aston put on their put on their social media during the race because because you know, I was doing all, all the live tweeting. Um, for us on Sunday, um, they put on they put they put on their um, on their socials at one point. They're, they're like brilliant stint by Lance in P four, and he comes in for the medium tyres and is like, yeah, nah, mate, he's only he's only P four because um, <laughs> because every everyone else has pitted in front of him. It's like you know he pitted and he came back out, he's at the back again. So like, that's where you belong. Um, yeah, you know, again, not a great weekend for them. They need to do something about that car. Something needs to change. Um, they tried copying the Red Bull. It's called Red Bull. It's not called Green Bull, and we can see why. Maybe they should try Green Giant. That's sponsored by Sweet Corn. I don't know. Um, but they're just, you know, they're just, they're just, they're just not going anywhere. And maybe Lawrence Stroll has held bent on imploding that team from the inside out because, you know, for, certainly for me, when they were um, racing Point and Force India and all the rest of it. I loved that team because they were like the plucky underdogs. Do you remember like 2015, 2016 when they had Hulkenberg and Perez? I think it was 2016, they came fourth in the constructors. It's like they were the kings of getting the most out of the, you know, getting getting the most for their money effectively. You know, so they were getting the best results they could with, you know, with the least amount of sort of funding and backing. You know, they were beating the likes of McLaren and... Um, They've always been a, a team that have out, outperformed about their budget, you know, since their early days as Jordan. Um, you know, they've never they've never been a, a top-tier team budget-wise, but they've actually always put put together a, a pretty decent package um, given the circumstances. 
Well, let's talk about Sebastian Vettel. Did a couple of pirouettes this weekend, didn't he? Um, you're not 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 holding on to that car and making it perform uh, to the best of his ability um, and what he what he has prehistorically been good at. Um, so, I mean, one of those you, we can probably blame uh, another driver for. Um, it was also yeah. where he collided with Kimi last year because um, the two of them had a very sort of, you know, it was almost like a carbon copy of this year's accident they did last year. A, another poor weekend for Aston Martin. And I love Aston Martin as a brand, but it's not going great, is it? I think no, the, it's not. I think the biggest thing about Aston Martin, I think it's mostly growing pains. They've expanded so much. They've brought in so many people, very intelligent people, uh, you know, and it's just like it's the it's the burden of having no issue because as Tom's touched on, Force India, uh, and you know they didn't have enough money to cut the grass. And as you know, it's Omar Snap now that was there beforehand. He actually came out and said he says, "Well, the money that we paid to cut the grass, we can put it somewhere within the you know on the car." You know, it was that tightly controlled, and now you've got a guy who has the the GDP of a small country is pocket change, <laughs> you know, as he's, you know. You probably want to just bum with $50 notes or something. Probably, you know. So, yeah, I think when you go from a, a company and a, a team that has a couple of hundreds, maybe 300 at a push, and you're doubling, tripling it in a very short space of time, when you're bringing in people from Red Bull, you're bringing in people from Mercedes, it's going to take a while to settle that out. And, not every appointment's going to work. I mean, you know, we had uh, Scarbs on at the start of the season and he actually pointed out that he didn't like the way that they were going with the car. And they didn't because they've changed it. <laughs> so, you know... Yeah, it's a completely different car again, isn't it? Yeah. So there is a... It, it's a tricky one. And it, it's one... It's, they're, they're borderline becoming the, the new Toyota. Uh, Toyota spent over the course of their many years within Formula One about a billion dollars. Didn't want to race. So, okay. you know, are, are they going down that road? I don't know. It's they, they need to sort something out. They need to sort something out, hopefully soon. It, it could also be a distraction, couldn't it? You know, because all these different things, all the factory move, all these sort of these, the, the factory move, the factory kind of growth and expansion, it could all just be a distraction to, to actually what, what they should be doing. Yeah, it might all just be smoking mirrors. Um, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Stroll is getting ready to sell, uh, sell us a Martin. Um, or, or at least sort of like, you, you know, or at least sort of try and take a step back from it because, because I, I think he's realised that he's pumping into money, sorry, pumping money into something which he's not getting the reward out of. The road car side of it, which you know, okay, bear with me on this. The road car side of it is do, is doing really well because for a long time, Aston Martin were in the doldrums for, for the road cars. You know, they're being bounced from owner to owner and consortium that nearly went bankrupt. All the rest of it, Sol basically saved them, and the road cars now are. are then finally beginning to flourish, which pleases me greatly. But, you know, so, so that side of Aston Martin has been successful. Unfortunately, the racing side of it, and specifically the Formula One racing side of it, has not endured the same success that they have in things like World Endurance, it, you know, and then the road car side of things. And I think it is just a bigger job than they're realising. It's going to take either more time, more patience. And more than just money. Let's move on um, from, from that. Um, I do want to speak about Gasly because he, he seems to be getting himself into a bit of trouble recently. What do, what do you think, Sophia, about Gasly? He, he just seems to be not not in the right headspace at the moment because he's not putting this car where he's, where he's previously been known to be quite consistent. 
it's just not been a season to begin with. It's been like mm. this since day one of the season. And I don't know why it's come out like this. I mean, we have Yuki on the side who likes to spin out and get his teammate involved. And now, obviously, a psychologist has now been involved to try to help calm Yuki down. But Gazi's just like, especially with given the uncertainty of where he was going to go because obviously it was rumors silly season was talking about like if he's going to go to McLaren, other teams and contract extensions and all that i to be fair looking back at it the minute i mean gassy's been dealing with a lot but like once it was confirmed though it still didn't change his mindset and way he was driving he's him and george are probably the two drivers that have been caught out the most in incidences either by them causing it or being involved in some way. But Gaz is making stupid rookie mistakes that should not have happened to begin with. And it's not something you're expecting from a driver that's been in F1 for so many years, but it's just, I, I just don't get it. And I, I don't know if it's early days, but he might, I, he I might end. He's, yeah. He's, he's stuck in a rut, isn't he? Uh, Cause I say he was pretty consistent last year and, you know, oh, sweeping up driver. As, as, as much, as many points as he possibly could do, even getting on a podium, uh, you know, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to be that same Pierre Gasly driving the Alpha Tari, whether it's just the car is an absolute dog. It's probably, I mean, that's probably, uh, you know, one of the things that's plaguing him. I mean, I feel like he's spending more time on Instagram and social media than anything else than driving right now. Um, <laughs> I wonder if Pierre Gasly will like this. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not for my comment, even though, oh, have you run and got my, like, Gasly <laughs> jumper? <laughs> he's one of my favorite drivers. He's always been one of my favorite drivers because last season he was underrated and it was mm. out, and he was performing really well. It's just this season's just 180 at, and for no kind of understanding of why, because the car is all right, but mm. he's been in this type of car for a while. We were expecting, like, I personally was expecting him to be like George, top five finishes in most of the races, like being up in that level. And the fact that Yuki, I think, has more points than Gasly right now, and obviously the amount of penalty points that Gasly currently has as well. You could see maybe with a race ban by the end of the season, I'm expecting maybe one or two drivers will have the 12 points for the race ban given on how many incidences incidences have happened this season already. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Okay, well, what we'll do now is we'll rate the race out of five, uh, five being the best, one being the worst. Uh, Coops, what do you rate the race in Austria this weekend? Three and a half out of five. That's, that's, that's an okay result. Uh, Tom, what would you give the uh, race in Austria? Yeah, well, I'll go three and a half. Sophia, same question to you. What would you rate the race out of five? It wasn't that good. Um, I would say two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. I think there were some good battles. I'm going to rate it. I'm going to go... I'm going to go three and a half as well, uh, just just to get, just to be consistent across the team. Okay, well that's that was the race in Austria. Um, we've got a few little news articles that we need to discuss before we uh, close off the podcast today. Uh, we'll go to Coops with a news article uh, that you want to speak about. I think probably the biggest one over the weekend was the reports of abuse uh, directed towards certain fans and certain fans of a you know I think there was uh, female fans that were given some. Very yeah. sexualized abuse. There was one girl that was invited to the Mercedes uh, garage uh, because 
a fan lifted up her skirt while she was in the, at the Grand Prix, which is just it's horrible, it's disgusting. Other fans of the LGBTQ plus uh, kind of family, they were they were abused because they were there together as a couple. Uh, I think they were invited to Aston Martin, actually. Uh, and uh, various other kinds of things. Uh, I wrote the I wrote an article for the for the group for the page just kind of touching on it. But the more I think about it, the biggest thing for me is we, we need to get away from just talking about it. Action needs to be done. The powers of B Formula One put out a big post very early on in the Saturday morning, I think it was a Sunday, I can't remember the day. Yeah, um, Saturday. Saturday just saying we're aware of these things. We're in discussions with security, we're in discussions with the promoters. Apparently, from what I heard, I think it was Claire Cottingham, somebody we've had on the pod in the past, who said that some more security have been put in and some other things were, were kind of done in the interim. But this, I've never, and I am the oldest one on the podcast, and I've been watching Formula One since the early 90s. Uh, <laughs> and this, ha, 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 and this kind of behaviour is never something that I connect to Formula One. I just don't. You know, I see it. I don't accept it in, in football because it's another support. I, you can tell by the top of me for the YouTubers. You know, I don't accept, I don't agree with it, but I know it's involved in football. I know it's there in other sports. Formula One has never been that. I don't understand it. It's no, there's tri- tribalism, isn't it? There is. It's... There's, there's no place for it. If anybody goes to a track and decides that's the behaviour they should do, just leave. Just just go away, go back to whatever, whatever stupid wee hole you crawled out of. It's not needed, it's not required. And But my biggest thing is now, the powers that be, the people that have more of an opportunity to do something, have to do it. Don't, don't put out a thing on Twitter saying we condemn it, because we know you condemn it. You do it every time. Do something. Don't, don't invite the fans in because they've had a horrible experience. Do something so there isn't a horrible experience. It's good that they reacted to that. Something There's going to have to be happened. some kind of lifetime bans handed to people, harsh punishments uh, to put off all the rest of the people who are thinking about doing those sorts of things in the future. And, uh, it, there is no place in the sport for it. There's no place in any sport for it, uh, and let alone uh, our sport of Formula One. I mean, also Toto's pretty much stated, like, very publicly and very... Um, Choice of words um, that I probably will not say on this podcast because don't want to get flagged for cursing. Um, but like that's good. But like Coop said as well, like these people are getting invited into these paddocks because of a uh, traumatizing experiences happen. Like it shouldn't happen in the first place. But now also on a flip side as well, I which does it's not a good thing but could happen is people are going to make false reports in the sake of trying to get into the paddock as well that was my first thought when i saw people getting into it like Mm. like because on the opposite side you have male fans who are doing this you also have female fans who are there's a whole bunch like myself i'm statistics and numbers and drivers but you also have a whole bunch of female fans that are for the drivers and will do anything to get into the paddock they have that kind of mindset and like the things that you see on social media and tiktoks and like the imaginative stories of these drivers like that's an op that's another side that's becoming really negative and like harsh you have drivers girlfriends getting death threats by these fans for it like 
I, I don't know if I'm grasping for straws, but that was like a first instant I saw. The minute the people got into the paddock because of a traumatizing event, people yeah. are going to monopolize that and they're going to try to do the same thing and replicate that because they are that desperate to get into the paddock and meet these drivers. Well, let's hope not. Let, let, I let's hope, hope not. This- Let's hope there was clear clear evidence uh, of, of the situation and uh, the people that did happen to, uh, trustworthy people. And let's hope there's an area of judgment from whoever do, deals with those sorts of things. It's, it's, it, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's, it's an awkward kind of crossover, but hopefully people won't use that situation to their advantage. I think this is a big sign of the negatives of the drive to survive kind of generation of Formula One fans. And I'm yeah. not saying all of the troubles are from that, but the explosion from last season with the big, you know, the, the, the season-long battle with Verstappen and Hamilton, how it, the controversial ending, uh, you see a lot more uh, the younger uh, drivers coming in, coming in. You know, the positives are we have all these people watching Formula One. We have the different demographics, but the negatives are this other side. You know, I saw a thing on, on, twi- on Twitter, uh, a Formula One fan was, was, con- was cornered because she had the same name as Lando Norris's girlfriend, and apparently that's disrespectful. And it's that stupid, you're just like, pardon? Like, do you hear yourself? But even she mm. said, she, she screenshotted the conversation and even Common said name. it. Yeah, she even said it. Like, that's that, if you want to take it up with my parents, but it's not my fault. She went, yeah, I know, but it's still disrespectful. Uh, we saw the videos of those girls. Was it Charles Leclerc at the airport where they all were mobbed? They mobbed them at mm-hmm. the, the airport. You know, so yes, there needs to be this balance. And this is the first weekend, but it's really come out. Yeah, there's people that don't have a conscience that will try and manipulate it. Uh, and let's just hope that the people that you know the the teams start to you know are smart enough to look at it and go, hmm, I don't know, or be a bit brainier than it. But let's let's hope. That it doesn't go down. Let's let's focus on what actually happened at the weekend, and not what might happen in future. And let's just hope that they, the F one as a sport and in general stays on top of it, and and make sure the people that are that are actually committing these, you know, atrocious behaviour uh, in the crowd get their comeuppance uh, and get lifetime bans, and the kind of and action is taken on those. Any other news stories? Uh, let's go to uh, Tom. A news story that you want to chat about today? The herds. Today, Bernie Eccleston has been charged over fraud. I, I haven't read the whole story, but but I believe he was investigated by HMRC, and it's something to do with um, the investigation into, into assets worth hundreds of millions. I don't know the ins and outs of it, um, but let's be fair. Are we surprised that Bernie has been arrested for uh, for financial irregularities? Mm. No, yeah, well, that's the thing. The, the, the HMRC are investigating him, um, obviously paying taxes on uh, £400 million pounds worth of uh, assets that are within his property European property range. I mean, the, the, it says on the, on the articles itself and that the, they don't want to, too much kind of speculation going through the press, so we won't, uh, we won't go into it too much and speculate too much. Um, but I... I'm sure there's not not a lot of people, not many people in the world that will be surprised to see Bernie Eccleston in the press for not so good reasons, not so not so positive reasons. um, Anyway, Um, another story, another story that we want to talk talk about um, is Colton Herter was seen on track in Portimao uh, today um, for for McLaren uh, having a test drive. Uh, in last year's car. Now, obviously, they've agreed that last year's car is okay in this circumstance for them to drive, 
because it is so different to this year's car and no data will be able to be transferable. Um, but it's good to see that an American in the car, um, we don't know how he performed. They haven't released any information about how he performed, just the fact that he did. Um, is it a sign that he's going to be in a seat next year? Or Zach Brown's officially come out today and said and reiterated something that he said uh, a couple of weeks back, that Daniel Ricciardo is definitely going to be in the seat uh, for McLaren next year as he is under contract. So unfortunately to those Americans that might be watching that were thinking maybe this is a sign uh, of uh, an incumbent uh, American uh, for McLaren, unfortunately it probably is not going to be that. It's just a, simply purely a uh, test drive. Uh, for Colton Herter. But let's hope he performs well and maybe it sets the scene for uh, a future um, appearance uh, in a championship coming soon. What I will say about the Colton Herter thing is um, obviously Danny Rick has the option to extend his contract next year, which we all expect. Well, which we expect he will take up to a point. Colton Herter's contract uh, with McLaren's IndyCar outfit runs out mm. at the end of 2023. So this is just me purely speculating. I wonder if McLaren will give Danny Rick another season because obviously you can't any regulations, blah, blah, blah. Maybe yeah. it's taking longer to adjust. And then next year, if it doesn't work out, well, he'll see out his contract, Colton, in you come some. Yeah, yeah. I hopefully Potent- it does. Potentially. That way. Daniel Ricardo's contract was always to 2023. It's uh, always been to yeah. 2023. Well, let, let's talk about the budget cap um, because it was extended at the weekend as well. Uh, all the teams got together and agreed to, was it a 3%? 3.1. So it's just under $5 million. Uh, because obviously the, the, they've they've all agreed, apart from one team declined it, wasn't it? So yeah, it was nine out went of through. 10. Yeah. Nine out of the 10 teams agreed to to the increase in the budget cap. because Just because of the whole logistics of it all, I guess. Uh, obviously, first year with these uh, cost caps in place, um, at such a at such a low level, they're, they're all getting a bit too close to it, so they need that extra bit of funding. What what they've actually done is it's the three point one percent was to come in next year just for general normal inflation rate, but because of the unprecedented increase in inflation, especially especially in the UK, where a lot of the yeah. teams are based, they've brought it in early. So an extra five million dollars just, which will surely go and sending people around the world because it's that expensive already. I think it was Haas that probably disagreed because they're the only team that's not actually come out with any upgrades at all because originally they said that they were going to bring upgrades at Silverstone. Apparently now it's been pushed to Spa. So like they've been budgeting and working through their finances to fit under the cost cap. And that's why they've not come out with any upgrades or major upgrades compared to all the other teams that has happened so far. And for them now to be like, oh, it's an extra $5 million. Or like at that time, just an increase in general, I could... Love to be a fly on that wall to see Gunther just literally start cursing off people. Mm. Could see that happen, but um, the fact that but has five, to five doing million well, won't go very far in Formula One, not no. really. That's, like but, I mean, that's not that's not a brand new floor. That's not a brand new uh, rear no. wing or front wing or whatever. But, but even the, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Haas have got Haas have had two of their cars written off by Mick Schumacher, so I suppose that four million might help. <laughs> <laughs> That one, but Maybe a little bit helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But you know, as you say, the five billion it isn't really doing much. It's... It could be into the development as well from the R and D backside. That's probably where, like, if I had that money, even it would go into more of the back end kind of data working, engineering work more than 
the new pieces, new parts. That's mm-hmm. where I, or yeah. the cost of bringing additional staff in to help with these understandings. That's that's where I would put the money if I had that much money in a F1 team to have. <laughs> yeah. So we are the Everything F1 podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Um, you can find us on all our socials every single day of the week. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And we're also on updating our website with articles for you to read and peruse at your own leisure on www.everythingf1.com. We would also love it if you were to subscribe to this podcast itself. You can do that on your favorite podcast streaming service by hitting the bell, hitting the subscribe button, whatever it is you have uh, that will make sure you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes uh, as soon as they drop. I've been James Tiller. We've had Coops alongside me today. Thank you very much, for Coop, for coming to talk to us today, Coops. Thank you. Thank you very much to Tom for chatting to us today. That's Welsh for see you later. Thank you. And... That's Welsh for thank you. Good night. <laughs> and then we've also had Sophia. Sophia, thank you very much. Thank you. We have been the Everything Everyone podcast. We'll speak to you next week where we preview the French Grand Prix, which is Coop's favourite. And of course, we'll talk about any news that does drop within that week too. So we look forward to speaking to you then. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.